Hello everyone, I'm Bailey. I'm Drew. And I'm Lacey. And, and we're, we're sarcastic, sarcastic, so let's get sinister. So I'm going to be telling you guys about the Sims family um, who were murdered in 1966. Okay? Is this our our first case where we actually know what happened to the victim? We don't know who did it. We do know what happened. Yep. They were for sure killed. (laughs) Because Bailey's first case was a disappearance. I was a disappearance. Yeah. Yeah, This is nice. Okay. It feels like we have a little bit of closure. A little bit. We know they're dead. A little bit of closure? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, A little sad because it's a family. Yeah. You know. Okay, so um, first of all, the Sims family had five members. They weren't all killed. Um, It was Robert was the father. He was 42 years old. Helen was 34, she's mom. Joy was 12. Um, those were the three who were killed. Robert and then, was 42. Mm-hmm. Julie? Joy. No. Helen was 34. Oh, Helen was 34. Mm-hmm. And Joy was 12. What um, they had 66. Well, that explains the yeah. age gap. They had two other daughters. Judith Ann was 15 at the time. And Norma um, Jeanette was 17. Um, oh, so Norma, the, the, the baby. Yeah. The family. Yeah. Uh, Norma Jeanette went by Ginny, so when I refer to Ginny, it's the oldest daughter. Okay, so first of all, um, they weren't, the story takes place, the story, they were killed in Tallahassee, which is where they were living at the time, but they were actually from Meridian, Mississippi, and they had moved to Tallahassee a couple years prior. Um, Robert was, he had a PhD, he was a doctor, Dr. Robert. Oh, Dr. Bob. Yeah. Um, He was an information technology expert with the Department of Education. He was essentially an IT person, like before IT people were a thing. Um, he was well respected in the community, even though they were only living in Tallahassee for a couple years. They were very well known in the area. They were respected. They were like, I feel like we always hear that about people who were murdered, but it seemed legit. It's always a good people. He was yeah. a doctor. Yeah, he was Dr. Rob. Um, <clears throat> uh, his wife, Helen, was a Sunday school teacher, and she was a church secretary, although she had quit her job as a church secretary a couple weeks before they were killed. What's a church secretary? It's a, it's a secretary for a church. Is there a phone? Do they need a Probably. I'm just keep, keeping a records. <laughs> the pastors do. That's oh. what. So she was essentially okay. like a secretary for the pastor of the church, who we're going to talk about later. Oh, I was um, going to say, if God called, the priest can't be available 24-7. I feel like he shouldn't have to call the church. I feel like he, the priest should be on call 24-7 for God. Yeah, yeah on but call job. if he's not in the church... Church secretary is. No. God says, hey. She's like, let me get him. Hold on. <laughs> but she quit, so. Now God has no way to call the priest. Yeah. Right. That's, that's why she's dead. So Tallahassee, sorry. at the time. Dark humor. I'm sorry. Ooh, that was sinister and sarcastic. <laughs> um, that was a lot of shoulders over there. <laughs> <laughs> so Tallahassee, we wouldn't call it a small town, even in 1966. Much smaller than it is now, than what we currently think of as Tallahassee. It's more than doubled in size, like their census numbers, since 1966. Yes. Can you stop saying Tallahassee? Because all I remember is the office. Okay. Tallahassee. <laughs> <laughs> um, not, so not small, small town, but everybody in the neighborhood knew each other. 
after the murder happened, Tallahassee was kind of rocked. Sorry for saying Tallahassee again. Um, so I feel like it, it was the 60s. So say like, the county. It was Leon County. Well, like, every, like, neighborhood, I feel like, felt like that. Like, yeah. they all knew each other. Yeah. Like, it was a safe environment. Um, so, uh, it was Saturday, October 22nd, 1966. Ooh. Okay. Oh. Florida State um, is playing Mississippi State. Ooh. And Does that matter? Well, because almost everybody in Tallahassee was at the game. Oh, okay. Um, and there are some theories that say if the murder was planned, it was planned for this night because... They said, like, the streets were empty and everything when Florida State was playing. Everybody is at the game, okay? Um, The Sims were not. Robert and Helen decided to stay home. They were home with Joy. They were watching it on TV. Um, Jenny and Judith Ann, the older two sisters, they were both babysitting. Together or separate families? Separate families. So Jenny was babysitting for a family who the parents wanted to go to the game. So she's watching the kids. Um, Parents came home from the game. She heads home. And when she walks in the house, the TV is on. There are, um, like, two half-empty coffee cups out. Like, somebody was drinking some coffee, cigarette, and the ashtray. The ashtray hasn't been dumped out. Um, but her family is not in the living room like she expected them to be. So she's calling for them. She's walking throughout the house. It's a ranch-style house. Eventually gets to the master bedroom, and she finds them there. What time did she get home? Uh, I, I don't think it gave me an exact time. It was oh. evening because it was an evening game. Oh, and it was after the family got home. Yeah, I was going to say, the, par- the parents that she was babysitting for got home from yeah. the game. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Judith Ann was still at her babysitting job, and when this all went down, the police contacted that family and said, keep her there. Don't send her home. Mm-hmm. So she wouldn't come home and see what Jenny right. had to see. Yeah. Um, so they were found. All three of them were in the master bedroom. Um, Robert and Helen were fully dressed, just barefoot. Uh, Joy was in a nightgown. Okay. I, w- I didn't like that you specified no. that the parents were fully dressed. Yeah. I she thought was, we were going somewhere else. It's going to go there a little bit. Okay. Um, Robert was on the bed. All three of them were tied up using um, things that were in the house, nylon stockings, and had socks shoved in their mouths to gag them. Robert was... So if it was planned, it wasn't planned well. Well. Um, oh. Robert had been shot in the head. He was still alive. When Jenny got home? Yep. Um, they think that she got home very soon after the killers left. Oh. Wow. Yeah. So Robert was shot in the head. He was still alive. He was shot once in the head. He was on the bed. Helen was on the floor. She had been shot twice in the head, once in the leg. She was still alive. Joy was also on the floor. She had been shot in the head and stabbed in the abdomen seven times. Her underwear was pulled down. Her cheek was bruised, and there was bruising on her thighs. At first, they said... They didn't give a lot of information at first. A lot of this came out over the course of years. At first, when they were releasing information to the public, they said no signs of sexual assault. They changed it later. They said there were signs with joy. Yeah. Um, Maybe they wanted to keep that, like... Yeah, I think it was a matter of... For the chest. As it took longer and longer, they started letting out more stuff. Um... So she, now in 1966, their 9 was not a thing yet, mm-hmm. which I learned researching this. Like, I knew um, it wasn't always, but, so. It's pretty recent. Yeah. So like the 90s, I think. Yeah. Ginny came home. She found them in the master bedroom. Joy was gone when she got there. Her f- mom, father and mother were still alive. She called a. Her mom a, was still alive? Hmm? Her yeah. And yeah, mom had been shot twice in the head. 
So she called a funeral home. Funeral homes would have ambulance services. Mm-hmm. So she called a local funeral home. She got the number out of the paper. They would the transport people through yeah. in their hearses? It was the Beavis uh, funeral home. She called them, and it was the Russell Beavis and his 16-year-old son, Rocky, got there. 16? 16. Why is she working yeah. there? You know, work for your parents' business. Family business. Okay. Um, when they got there and Russell realized mom and dad were still alive, he tried to untie them um, to help them. So that already compromised the scene. Yeah, everybody needs their arms to breathe. Yeah. Yeah. So they... um, Raise your hands. That's a thing. I didn't hear what you said. She said when you're choking. Um, So they tried to untie them, but the knots were a specialized type of knot. Uh, they're called a granny knot. You might learn this in the military or in scouts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I feel like scouts were really prevalent back then. So he called for police, and the police came, and the uh, detective on scene, 24-year-old Larry Campbell, became lead detective. It was his what birthday. Was his name? Larry Campbell. Campbell. It was his birthday, his 24th birthday. Aww, he was about to get off shift, yeah, to go celebrate his birthday, and he was called to this. It was originally reported, called him to, like, dispatch or whatever the version of dispatch was, as a car accident. Um, like, there was How? just some kind of miscommunication along the way. Jesus Christ. So. Some kind of miscommunication. The <laughs> Sheriff's Department, Leon County Sheriff's Department, and Tallahassee Police Department show up. Um, there are so many people there from the Sheriff's Department, from the Police Department. Everybody's Why? contaminating the scene? Contaminated. So many people were in and out. The scene was compromised. They said later it was not, like, handled the way that it should have been. It was, you know, they weren't expecting. They hadn't dealt with a crime like this before. But still, they say it was kind of mismanaged a little bit. So, um, you know, Judith, Ann, and Ginny, they had an aunt and uncle in Meridian, Mississippi, who came. And after the funeral and everything, they went back with them to Mississippi. And they have never spoken publicly about this. They haven't given interviews. They haven't been. There was, like, this documentary that I watched. They weren't on that. They've never you watched a documentary? I did, because it was very interesting. You getting all... So, um, in the days after, they canceled trick-or-treating that year. Wow. Um, within a day or two, all the hardware stores had sold out of locks, bolts, and knives. Women were filling water guns with an ammonia mixture. Interesting. Oh. Yes. I thought you were just going to say filling water guns, and I was like, wow. Well, um, if you shoot someone, like, right in the ear, how annoying is that? Yeah. Like, I, I was going to say right in the eye. That, too. I'd also leave immediately. Um, there, was, there was jewelry out. There was cash out on the table. Nothing was taken. Um, so it didn't seem to oh, be a robbery. Oh, I thought you sa- were saying, like, people were just leaving jewelry and cash oh, out on no, the no, table. No. In um, case, like, they broke in, they'd be yeah. like, cake it. No, robbery did not seem to be a motive. Uh-huh. Um, the house, there were no signs of forced entry. They determined that they had been let into the house and that they probably knew the family. Although people did say that it was such a friendly, trusting neighborhood, if a stranger had knocked on the door, they likely would have opened the door. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. So, um, and they said, as, you know, even though Robert Campbell was like a full-grown man, if you open the door and there was somebody there with a weapon, you know, you what are you going to do? Or somebody who looked trustworthy, like a woman. My, um first impression mm-hmm. is that like the person incapacitated the parents first by shooting them then tied them up and then took their time with, with the 12 year old um oh oh i didn't update you i'm sorry i'm trying to 
I wish I had like organized my thoughts here. So they were parents were both alive when Ginny got home. Yeah. Dad died on the way to the hospital. Um, mom died nine days later. She never woke up. She was in a coma the whole time. So they never, you know, were able to ask her any questions or anything. Right. So um, Larry Campbell, who was the lead detective who later became sheriff of Leon County Sheriff Department, um, said he knew who did it, but he did not have enough evidence to do anything about it. Um, they drained a nearby pond trying to find a weapon. They never found the weapon, the murder weapon. That seems like really random. random. Like what <laughs> well, they were, they were searching everywhere. There was, so there was a ravine that backed up to their house. Okay. Um, like they had their backyard and a ravine and then another house across it. And the pond was nearby and they were searching everywhere for the weapon. They searched all through the ravine, all okay. through the neighborhood. And they were like, let's try the pond. I thought you were just saying they were in the house. They walked out the door. He was like, I know who did it. Drain the pond. Oh, no. <laughs> no, that was unrelated. It was the frog man. Yeah, I'm, I'm jumping all over the place. He said later on, I know who did it, but I don't have enough evidence. I can't get them for it. Yeah. Um, side note, when they were looking for evidence, they drained a nearby pond. Uh, and they, they, never found, they never found the gun. Um, what about so, the knife? Nope, they never found any weapon associated with it. So gonna Are you going to gonna talk to us more about what they used to tie them up? Um, well, I mean, I wasn't... I know that to. you said hi- household items. Yeah, it was nylon um, stockings, probably like what the mom would have worn, mm-hmm. um, and ties, so dad's ties, oh. and then they and they were tied in specialized granny knots, which is a very specific type of knot that you and I wouldn't just do, mm-hmm. and they had socks shoved in their mouths. There were neighbors who said that they heard screaming. It sounds like they raided the closet. Yeah, like they got there and, like you said, shot them to, like, incapacitate them. Get them down them, and then tied them went up. Went and grabbed whatever they needed to uh, yeah. tie them up. Here's my thought, though, regarding my theory that I just talked about. Mm-hmm. If you shot somebody in the head... Why would you need to tie them up? Yeah. Why would you, like, I could see, like, when you said that the mom was shot in the leg... I could see, okay, shot her in the leg, she's down, now tie her up so she won't get back up. Mm -hmm. But if you're starting to shoot people in the head, my first thought is they're not getting back up. Yeah. It could have been if they wanted to incapacitate the parents so that they could spend time with the daughter. Mm -hmm. It could have been just like insurance on their part where they were like, well, I don't know if he's dead or not. I'm going to tie him up so that he doesn't get up and do something while I'm over here with joy. The shot in the leg is strange because it, it like I feel and like the mom definitely took more shots so it leads me to think that like maybe both the parents were tied up they started to try to do something with the daughter and then they shot them mom reacted yeah and then they had wonder, to shoot them I wonder if maybe because I, I they let him in the mom would let that just happen in front yeah. of her yeah but I feel like the dad been, would also have been very well, yeah but like they the mom was like she took a lot of shots. And well, the other thing that seems... Coming. The dad got shot once in the head. Mom got shot three times. And the daughter got shot, what, once? Once. And, and stabbed a bunch. Times. So maybe it's a sex thing. Yeah. Like, there's more anger towards females. Yeah. But I wonder if he they let him in, and then he pulled his gun and told them to tie each other yeah. up. But the, how would they know they're not? Oh. Yeah, that was what I was thinking. So, knowing that, two people? Maybe. One of them held the gun yeah, out while the other one the tied him up. Do we know anything about... Suspects? Bob? Does oh, he have, like well, does he have any military experience? 
I don't know. I wouldn't... If I was in the military, but I was tying up my family, I wouldn't use my best knots. No. Yeah. I was, yeah. yeah. What knots would you use, Drew? I don't know. Loose ones? Yeah. <laughs> Loose ones? So, I'm gonna talk about all the suspects. Um, but here... So, hold on. So, it seems... Like, in my head, what I'm picturing is that, like, they were, like, tie him up, or tie him up, and then they weren't... They were like, no, and so... Shoot mom in the leg. Now you know I'm serious. Yeah. And then his neighbors heard screaming that night. They thought it was kids playing. Mm. Um, and it seemed like it was such a close neighborhood that if they... I do think that if they thought somebody was in trouble, they would have called the police. Right. Um, so there was time for somebody to scream. So my theory that like they shot mom and dad in the head right away isn't valid. I mean, I guess the daughter could have screamed while that was happening, and they oh, weren't too and, worried and if about they thought it, it was kids. kid. Yeah. Well, if, it, if they thought it was kids playing, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they heard... I thought... When you say kids, I'm thinking multiple screams, mm-hmm. but it could just be one kid screams. Yeah. And they took the time to tie them and gag them. Well, the, the daughter cr- was climbed, tied up? Mm-hmm. All three of them were. And they also clearly took the time to take them to the bedroom. Or just told them to go in there because yeah, that's where everything, the tie, those stockings, you, the there socks were, there were all in the There were in the 60s a woman's going to have nylon stockings in her. Yeah, but there, there were two coffee cu- cups in the living room yeah. and a burning cigarette. So they must have had to be in the living room and something drew them. Like they had to get forced to go yeah, into the Yeah, I think they were forced bedroom. to go into the master bedroom where they were tied up in there. Because all of the things that they would need, that all the things that they got tied up with was in the master bedroom. Yeah. Did they have any other, like, beatings or, like, injuries or anything? They didn't. The only thing they said um, was about Joy's, like, cheek was bruised and, like, bruising on her so thigh. So maybe but Joy they, they got said, struck they didn't say anything about the other and two mom screamed. Before, I you know, I don't know. It's also, dad starts it to seems s- like it's a lot of people to control for they, one yeah. person. And also, I don't know if you noticed... But earlier, Lacey said suspects or something or like, like that. I have murderers. She, well, no, no, she said plural. She yeah. used a plural world word when she was talking about who, whoever think, did it. However, to, I don't think that she's keeping anything from us because I don't think that I she just, knows I just, I think that it. she has, I think <laughs> I that there's a theory, theory and she hasn't told us it yet. And she's just letting us guess. But it involves multiple people. Yeah. I'm enjoying watching you guys go through all the stuff that I went through when I was researching this. Go on, all the <laughs> thoughts. It's fun. Um, so before I get into the suspects, I'm going to kind of jump ahead a little bit. So, um, they didn't, obviously they never figured it out. Um, over the years, every so often they would open it back up and take another look. Campbell figured it out. Hmm? Campbell knew. Campbell said he knew. Um, and he said that this, this was like his case that haunted him that he wasn't able to, um, deal with. So it's opened up, it's closed, it's opened up, they can't do anything with it. Um, in 2016, assistant state attorney, Jeremy... Mutz or Mutz? I'm going to say Mutz. It sounds a little less goofy. Was fired. It's super embarrassing um, if it's not. He says, so now in 2016, they put together a, a task force to once again open the case and look into it. Like a whole, a full-on task force. Right. Like, we're going to get it this time. Um, and assistant state attorney Campbell Jeremy Campbell is 86 Mutz. years old now. Jesus Christ. Well, I feel that. like, oh, he's dead? Yeah. Campbell <gasps> died? Yeah. Unrelated to this. Just he, he got old. Yeah, he <laughs> knew who did this, but took it to his grave. On your last breath, I think that what are they, they going to do? Sue you for defamation? Well, You're dead. 
I think that... Well, hold on, hold on. All right, so, I'm sorry. Can we, can we get to the I'm, suspects? I'm just so, getting upset. Jeremy Mutt's assistant state attorney was part of this task force, um, and he was fired in July of 2016. Why? Um, well, that depends on who you ask. Oh. State attorney, Willie Meggs, says that Mutz was using his access to um, confidential information and, you know, interviews and all that stuff because he wanted to write a book. Um, oh. And so he says, I don't care what you do on your own time, but you're at work. You're using yeah. your confidential, your stuff, your access that the average person doesn't have to write a book because the state attorney says he thinks Jeremy Mutz wanted to be the one who to, solved it and got, yeah. like, the attention and stuff for it. Assistant State Attorney Jeremy Mutz says that it was a political move. He says um, that he found new information when he was going back through the files that would have led to an arrest or at least eliminated suspects, um, but that he was not allowed to, like, like he put sent out a memo about it and was fired. He thinks that it was political influence from the current, or at that time, current Sheriff Mike Wood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because Mike Wood was going to be, like, running for sheriff again. And he says that in one of their task force meetings, Sheriff Wood said something like, you know, there's no there's no hurry, something like that. And Jeremy Mutz took that to mean he didn't want to do anything to mess with the election lines. I will say that I don't really buy the whole, it was for political reasons, they didn't want it solved, because they've been trying to solve it for so long. Yeah, I feel like... And they've been very invested in solving it. I mm-hmm. feel like, though... If, like, under your watch, a cold case was solved where a 12-year-old was assaulted and murdered, that would only benefit you. It, it would be a big thing. Long-time residents of Tallaha- Tallahassee, Tallahassee. Tallahassee say that this murder was, like, a change for the yeah, whole Yeah, everybody of went out and got, like, locks and shit. Yeah. Um, so it would be a big deal. So to it solve doesn't it. make sense that he would be like, "No, we're not going to solve yeah. it because my election's coming yeah. up." I think, I think he'd be like, "Yeah, do it. Let's go. That really help me." I think it's more me. reasonable that Jeremy Mutz was using stuff right. that he was supposed to be using on and on the clock, trying to do stuff and he got fired for it. But anyway, so did he solve it though? He did not. But <sighs> well, not also that year um, at Florida State, a film student. There were a couple of them: Kyle Jones, Elijah Howard, Deanna Kidd and Michael Wash, um, were kind of researching this case for a film class. And they decided to make a film about it, which turned into an hour-long documentary. And it was released in October 2016, and Jeremy Mutz was on the documentary, giving um, his view of things and some evidence. And they also had gotten clips of um, a suspect interview which hadn't been released before. Ooh. And even the names of, like, some of these people hadn't been released for, like, a long time after the murder. Did Mutz do it? Release all this stuff? Oh, he... Like, no, but... He, he like, shared information. He, like, turned stuff over, mm-hmm. but he did share information. Um, there was a local author, Henry... I wrote it down, and now I can't find it. Kissinger. Um, no. no. Winkle. Who uh, was doing a lot of research and also came across... Like, he had been trying to get the police records, and they were fighting him for for a long time. Like, they were going back and forth with court and stuff. And after a while, the sheriff's department was like, you know what? Here. And they gave him everything. Mm-hmm. Like, 2,000 pages of stuff. And I think they were kind of like, you know what? Fresh eyes. Take yeah. a look. Um, and that's where we got, like, the videos and stuff. So, that was as recently as 2016 that that documentary was released. It's called 641 Muriel Court. That was their address. It's very cool. I found it on my... So, let's talk about our suspects. 
Okay, so I told you guys that Helen was a church secretary and she had quit a couple weeks before. Did God do it? Listen. No. I just want to say, when I said did months do it, referring to the release of the information, she gave a look because she thought I meant did he do the murder. Yeah. And she gave a look, so I think he's on the list. Oh, he's not on the list. Well, Mm. never mind. (laughs) Maybe she's lying. So, um, Helen was church secretary at First Baptist Church. Um, and the pastor was C.A. Roberts. It was Cecil Arthur or something. Roberts. He went by C.A. Roberts. Affair. Um, the, Cecil. Well, uh, oh. he was very charismatic, very popular. He had won some kind of like Man of the Year award for f- wow. Florida. Um, people wow. would. They said people would come multiple times a day. Like if they had a 9 a.m. service and 11 a.m. service, people would come twice just to watch him preach because he was such an impressive speaker. And so Don't you have shit to do stuff. during the day? No, um, it was the 60s. Yeah. So, she quit her job, and nobody really knew why at first, but as soon as they started investigating the murder, they discovered that C.A. Robert was a womanizer, and he was having affairs with women all over Tallahassee, Florida, and they think that Helen quit her job because, as his secretary, she knew, and she was not comfortable um, in this position being a church secretary for a pastor who was having all of these affairs. Yeah, because that's being not his, very... Being his home master. Yeah, it was rather... Yeah, she had his planner, and she was like, you got Dorothy at 9 yeah. and Faye at 10. And it's and not so enough time. They said when they pulled him in, because they at first they were just interviewing everybody who knew the family. Right. Um, when they pulled him in and people found out that they had interviewed the pastor, all these women started calling the police, the sheriff's department, and were like, I didn't have anything to do with the murder. I didn't have anything to do with the murder. And they were like, why are you telling us this? <laughs> Great. Do you know anyone else who didn't have anything to do with it? And they were like, all these women had affairs with this man. And they were all like, oh my God, they're going to think that I helped him kill somebody. Yeah. And so they were telling on themselves. Can but, I ask you a question? Yes. Pastor is different than a priest. Don't think so. But like priests, don't they take a vow of abstinence? I think they're supposed to. I think, well, I think... I think that depends on like what denomination you are. Oh, what denomination is it? Baptist. Uh-huh. And I mean, Baptist priests—they get married. Do they? Yeah. When I was in Virginia, it was Baptist church on like every corner, and they were married. Oh. Um, what was it? He was a pastor. Mm-hmm. In the United States, the term pastor is used by Catholics for what is other. What, for what in other English-speaking countries is called called a parish priest. So he is a priest. He ran the church. And he was just hooking up with everybody. Um, he so, wasn't. So maybe God did do it. So they were like, maybe. Oh, pastor is for Protestant or non-denominational churches. Priest. But she said it was a Baptist church. Non-denominational churches are not a part of any of the mainline Christian denominations. Oh. Such as Catholic, Baptist, Lutheran, or Methodist. Well, he was having affairs. Okay. Um, also, this was the 60s. Maybe none of them were allowed to in the 60s, regardless of your denomination. I don't know. I feel like it would. Next time, my research will be deeper. Thanks. This I is, can do this it. This is telling you. me go, the questions. Go this asked. deep. I yeah. want to know. Um, so, he they investigated him hard. However, hard. solid alibi that they tried to break. He was at the game. He was the team's chaplain, because the team had a chaplain. He was on TV. The fuck does his chaplain do? I think, don't worry about it. He's just preaching for Yeah, basically, him. he's there okay. to bring God to the game. 
Yeah, he's wouldn't God already be at the, that guy field. broke his leg? You like or to see a like physical. when you get tackled and your heart stops? He's there too but, soon. Sorry, the, he lived. Okay, so um, he was at the game. Like for sure, there's no doubt he was at the game. He's mm-hmm. on TV at the game. First half and second half. He disappeared during halftime. Nobody can account for his whereabouts during halftime. So they thought, maybe. maybe I don't this know. Maybe was one of his affairs. Um, well, yeah. they, well, they were thinking that um, he could have killed her to try to cover up his affairs. That would have been, like, his motivation. Oh, it's a bit obsessive knew. to do all that shit. It's a little bit. No, um, yeah, I feel like that was very motivated for her, the 12-year-old. Yeah, yeah. I think she was um, the I think we're target. looking for a pedophile. So they ran yeah. a whole bunch of driving simulations. Where they drove to and from field to their house and back, so as many different paths as they could come up with, it didn't fit. Yeah. There was no way he could have gone there, killed them, and gone back and done. Yeah, I feel like you have blood on him, too. Right. And some people did say he was wearing different clothes in the second half, and they showed a clip of the documentary. It's black and white, and he's wearing a suit. Like, you have no freaking idea. I think you guys are right. I think he went off and got Especially some, if you stabbed with somebody seven during times. Time. Right. I think he snuck off with one of his affairs yeah. for a quickie and came back. And he obviously, like, I'm not going to talk shit about the Catholic Church or anything, but um, so, so he obviously though. liked adult women. Yeah. 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 I don't think, like, I don't know how many women he had, but it seems like it would be a really Bunch. lot to, like, add children in there. Yeah. Um, and... In case you do care that Larry Campbell had said at one point, I know who did it. Larry Campbell said, Sarah Roberts did not do it. No doubt in Larry Campbell's mind that Sarah Roberts was not the killer. Okay, is he just saying this to say this? Like, if he <laughs> knows who did it, why isn't he coming later out on? Because he's dead. Later on, there I was mean, speculation that Larry Campbell was hoping for, like, a book or a movie deal. Oh. It seemed like there are people involved in this who wanted attention. Notoriety. Yeah. I so, thought you were going to say that he wanted to, like, Make them come forward. Yeah. Because they would panic. Like all the women did who were adulterous. (laughs) Now I'm going to tell you about Robert Howells. Different Robert. Not Robert Sims. Lots of Robert. Is he related to H.H.? That's not right. Could be. H.H. Holmes. So, in December of 1966, Robert Howells married Peggy. They also lived in Tallahassee. Um, They got married December 21st. The next day, they are driving um, down Florida to their honeymoon. Um, and he tells Peggy in the car on the way to their honeymoon, I killed the Sims family. I killed Robert. I killed Helen. I killed Joy. That's something um, you find out before you get married. Uh, he told Unless her really trap somebody. all about how he killed them and said, and if you don't, essentially, I'm summarizing, uh-huh. um, if you don't keep your shit together, uh-huh. I'm going to do the same thing to you that I did to Helen Sims. Hmm. Um, so shoot her in the leg and She never told anybody. Twice. Because she was so terrified. Yeah. She was convinced that he was telling the truth. I mean. Um, she had written it in a letter. Now, I'm confused about the letter. I don't know if it was a letter, like, a diary kind of letter or a letter that she wrote and then just, like, never sent. Like, I need to tell, yeah. write to my mom and say my husband's a murderer and never sent it. But anyway, it got packed with a bunch of documents and stuff that was later found by somebody else who was going through all these documents. And they were like, Peggy, What? <laughs> You should go tell the cops. So, she did go to the police. And um, she told them about Robert Howells. He was violent. Now, at this time, by the time that the letter was found, she was convinced to go to the police. They had gotten divorced. Okay. okay. What year was this? I don't know. Okay. Listen, there's information that I feel like should have been very easy to find that was not. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
but it was a, at least a couple years. No, I lied to you. In the 80s oh. is oh, when this okay. happened. I don't know what year, but it was in the 80s. That's fine. Lots of stuff, people coming forward in the 80s. We'll find out something else with that, too. Um, but she told them that he was violent while they were married. He was physically abusive to her constantly. He threatened to beat their kids. He didn't actually do it, but he threatened to. That was kind of like part of his keeping her alive. And that and him saying, I killed the Sims family, I'll kill you, um, pretty much kept her in line. She ended up getting divorced. Um, when she came to the police, they got her to agree to help them get information from him. They got her. She still was on enough of a like relationship with him that she would still go to his house. Right. Like it wouldn't be suspicious for him. So they got Peggy to bug the house. Oh. And try to get a confession. However, their daughter found out about this and tipped him off. Oh, what a bitch. Mom bugged the house and was trying to get you for the Sims murder. Um, and so he wouldn't talk about it with um, his wife, his ex-wife. They asked her, did he give you any motivation for it? And he told her that he had been at the grocery store that day and Helen Sims did something that made him angry. So he followed her home from the grocery store to see where he, she lived and came back later to kill her. Um, Peggy took, he had a 32 caliber gun and she took it to the police for them to test it. However, a 38 caliber is what was used for the murder. Um, this was not the gun. Um, people, you know, who didn't believe he did this wanted to know what would her motive be for lying about it or for coming to the police. Um, and they fully believe that he did tell her that he killed them. Apparently, after the murdered, men around town, a certain type of man, were telling their wives, I killed the Sims family. Abuser. And if you don't keep your shit together, I will kill you like I killed Helen Sims. So it was just a thing that was happening, but... So I think... You said that they didn't, like, release the information about Joy mm-hmm. to the public. I think that the fact that they're using Helen as the, like, what I, what I did to her, I'll do to you... Mm-hmm. They think that she was probably like she got she it worse because she was shot three times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if but I think there, the real killer would know that Joy was really yeah. And um, Helen probably got sh- shot three times yeah. because Joy was getting tortured. There were people who thought that Peggy made it up because he had been so violent when they were married that she was. This was her revenge down the road, um, but even the police believed that he did say this stuff to her. But just because he was an asshole. Not yeah, because he I agree anybody. with that. And I think that people who thought that she made it up just because he abused her, mm-hmm. I think that's probably what her daughter thought. Yeah. And she was like, stop trying to get dad in trouble. Yeah. Because you guys are divorced. Move on. But, like, there's no, like, it's going to be awful to say, but, like, there's no better way to, like, scare someone right after you marry them saying, like, I did this. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, keep your shit together or I'm going to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Than, like, having a perfectly horrifying murder happen. Yeah. And it was only two months later. Like, yeah. everybody was, you know. Um, all right, we're going to move on to Tommy Folgem. Folgem? Folgem. I'm going to say Folgem. Cut. Yeah. He was 15 years old at the time of the murder. He did it. He lived two blocks. Boy Scout? Maybe. Shush. He lived two blocks away from the Sims family. And when the police that night were going house to house to interview people... Tommy wasn't home. Um, even though the game was over, the game had let out, people had come home from the game, Tommy wasn't home, and it took them a while to track him down. 
He couldn't drive. He was walking home. Um, after high school, he joined the Navy. He was, after being in the Navy for a few years, honorably discharged. Um, in the mid-70s, he started developing mental health problems. The reason that Tommy Fulgham came to the attention of people who had investigated the Sim family is because in 1978, he murdered a woman named Dale Perney. Her name was Dale? Her name was Dale. He was discovered outside of an apartment complex, um, standing. He had blood on him. He looked confused. Somebody called the police. Police woman shows up, and he's standing there. His uh, finger on his left hand, I think his pinky, had been cut off. He was holding a jar that had internal organs in it. It was not specified which organ, but he was holding this jar. And the cop was asking questions. He wasn't very responsive. So the cop just followed the blood trail to this apartment. Um, they found Perny in the bedroom. She was disemboweled from her genital region to her windpipe. Wow. Her organs were found in the bathtub and strewn about the floor. Near her head was a plate of food. Um, was it two eaten? days later, they found his finger in the apartment. He... <laughs> That's pretty damning evidence. <laughs> he said... It just got off and like, it fell. Okay. Well, yeah, she, and then also, like, blood trail. <laughs> yeah. He said that she... Um, he had seen her face. He knew her casually. They were acquaintances. He had seen her face turn into the devil's face. And he knew that she was possessed by the devil. And in order to prevent the devil from returning to Earth, he had to remove her organs. Sounds like paranoid schizophrenia or like some kind of... He was diagnosed, and I put this in quotes so I would get it exactly right. Chronic paranoid schizophrenic who suffered delusional compulsions triggered by religious stimuli. Oh my god. His family and friends said he never showed any sign of this behavior until the mid-70s when he became obsessed with religion. And then it was like a switch. And wait, Um, how old was he in the 70s? He well, was he like in his was 20s. 15 he was at the 15 time of the murder. And 66, so he was like 27 when he did this. So I mean, that makes sense for schizophrenia. To yeah. Um, so when the guy who was invest not really investigating because they knew that he did it, um, was looking into this, was looking into his past, realized that he had grown up two blocks away from his family who was murdered. So he contacted um, Leon County Sheriff's Department. Was like, I think that maybe you want to take a look at our guy for this. Um, but. He was alibied for the night of. They couldn't get a hold of him because he was at a high school party. Yeah, okay. Here's the other thing. Um, that is quite an escalation. Yes. From also, shooting and a couple stabs. A couple stabs. I'm downplaying this. And if he has this in him, being able to hide that for 10 years before it popped out again. Yeah. Um, he was alibied for the night of. He was at a party. The Sims sisters, the two living sisters, also, did not recognize him. Yeah, the other thing is that I feel strongly that a 15-year-old could not coerce Two, two adults. No. Yeah. The, even with a gun. The Sims murder also seems more controlled. Yeah. 15-year-old would seem did. more... This was frenzied. Yeah. Yeah. Although like, I will say, was... a 15-year-old assaulting a 12-year-old, I don't know. Yeah. Makes, um, I don't, makes it, me feel it, a little bit better than a grown was, adult yeah. doing if it. If it was yeah. just the assault and maybe just maybe. joy... Yeah. Then I could maybe he could overpower a twelve year old. Yeah. He couldn't the, overpower the parents, a parents. I don't think so. Yeah. So he was alibi for that. Of um, the Sims sisters didn't recognize his face. They didn't recognize his name. Um, he Aww. and like they said, he never showed signs of his illness until the mid seventies. If you were wondering why he cut his finger off, because he cut his own finger off. Um, was it possessed? It was because God told him that you needed to show signs of a battle with the devil. So he cut mm-hmm. it off, so he would have a scar from his battle with the devil. Did he have a secretary who took that call from God? 
I'll for him. Thank you. All right. Also, then, um, I thought you were gonna say something. Was that the other thing from like the eighties? No. Okay. Nope. We're getting into them. Okay. So. I had a theory about the eighties. Yeah. Drugs. Well, no, that's when. Um, so I think like the late seventies or something. I was watching Adam Ruins Everything, and that's when um, they started legalizing no fault divorce. So people weren't trapped in marriages anymore. Uh, interesting. And so people might have been getting out of marriages and coming forward with stuff. Oh, okay. That will be interesting for our next upcoming. Now we have a couple. Oh, a um, couple? You say? Like couple. two people? Two people. Okay, I'm on board for this one. Like an actual like a man and a woman, or Vernon Fox and Mary Charles LaJoy. Mary Charles went by Charlie. Um. So, in 1966, when this murder happened, they were, she was 19 and he was 21. Okay. okay. <clears throat> they were a couple. So, hold on, I've got them all over the place. Um, Charlie was adopted and she claimed, claimed that she was abused by her adoptive family. She was obsessed with death. She frequently would just visit the funeral home, the Beavis one, the one that actually showed up. She would just visit them. To, she wanted to see the inside, she wanted to see the bodies and stuff, and after a while, um, Russell Be- Beavis had to be like, stop coming here, and so she broke in a couple times, and she stole things, like the drapery that they would just lay over the bodies, um, obsessed with death, was so, I don't want to say weird, because I feel like, now we're like, it's okay to be weird, and like, it is, but she was so different that in her first year of college, she was in her first year of college when this happened, she kept running off roommates. They could not get a roommate to stay with her. I'm picturing her sleeping under that drape, and I feel like that would be very off-putting. <laughs> yeah. They you wake get... up one day and you think there's a corpse next to you? <laughs> That's a horror movie right there. Yeah. Um, she, uh, when I was trying to look up what year she graduated, just to confirm it, I found what I think is kind of cool from Leon High School, is the high school there in Tallahassee that, um, that the Sims, the older two girls were going to, and that um, Charlie went to as well. And it was like, I don't know how to describe it. It was almost like seniors going out wrote a mini will where they would bequeath something to somebody coming up. They would say something like, I... Leave you my locker. I, John Smith, being of sound mind and body, leave my um, parking permit to oh. my brother, Charlie Smith. You know, good yeah, luck at high school. I gotcha. And it, it was really cool. I was actually reading through them for a while. I found Mary's. Or Charlie's. I, Mary Charles LaJoy, being of sound mind and body. And here she put in her measurements, 34, 24, 35, in case anybody want to know about her body. Mm. Do leave my brown briefcase with a broken handle, a thermos jug half full of cold tea, and one funeral director's manual to anyone of next year's seniors. And I just thought that was interesting. And did any of the seniors take that? Who's to say? Okay. What was in the briefcase? I don't know, but I have broken handle. What's in the box? So, um, that's a little bit of Charlie. Vernon's father was a nationally known criminologist. Okay. Dr. Vernon Bertain Fox. He chaired the criminology department at um, Florida State University. Um, Vernon joined the Air Force after high school. After four months, he was discharged for mental health issues. When was high school for him? It was a couple years before this. He was 21 when this happened. Yeah. Before he graduated high school and went to college, there was a prowler in their neighborhood who was peeping into people's windows. When he left for um, the Air Force, it stopped. 
Huh. And when he was discharged and he came home, it started up again. Huh. Just fun facts. Interesting. For anybody listening. Coincidental. Um, I think not. There were rumors, I couldn't get anything other than rumors, that he had been caught peeping into Joy's room the week before the murders. Mm-hmm. R- rumors. Like, no, but nothing said, like, anybody admitted to this interview okay. or anything. Can I just say, mm-hmm. based on what Campbell said where he was like, I know who did it, I just need evidence, It that led me to believe that it was someone who has a history of doing stuff mm-hmm. and he was like I know who it is he's been peeping Prowling. through windows yeah. of little girls and he's got a girlfriend who's Weird. into death yeah so um wants to see the insides Vernon's house was directly behind this house their uh, yards back up to each other Okay. Is there any other suspect after this? Because I feel like nope. I know who did it. <laughs> nope. These are our last. Okay. I was building from least likely yeah, uh-huh. not up to most. Um, and I've got the most about these two. So, these two, um, their parents did not approve of each other. What? His, his parents didn't like Charlie. Why? Her parents didn't like Vernon. Well, they're both weird. They were I thought, both. I thought you didn't stuff. want to call them weird. Yeah, I don't want to. I'm not coming up with a great other <laughs> word here. I want everybody to know: be weird if you're weird. Be different. Don't than other be. People. Like don't this. break into funeral homes and steal drapes, and don't peep into little girls' windows. That's a different kind of weird. You shouldn't have to say that. <laughs> I agree, but I want to stay on air for a while with you guys. So, um, they had to do a lot of sneaking around because their parents didn't approve of each other. Now, how romantic. They're they're like Romeo and Juliet, literally. At the time, their names were not like released as people who had been interviewed and stuff. It didn't come out until later the information about them and clips from a later interview with Charlie. Okay? I wonder if it's because like for the same reason that they kept other uh, assault. So, their story that they gave that night changed over the years Mm -hmm. and i'll tell you when charlie gave more police interviews but they said that they went to the movies that he left and walked to a park where charlie picked him up in her car excuse me um and they went to the movies and i guess the movie would just play like three back to back um they kept changing their story did we leave after the first movie did we leave after the second movie did we go right home did we go somewhere else like their story kept changing Okay, um, but they said they went to the movies, and afterward, the first when it all happened, they said that after the movies, um, they went home. She dropped him off at the park, and he walked home, and she went home. And he claimed that when he was walking home, and he was on the street that the Sims lived on, um, he saw like a black SUV, and it pulled up next to him. Okay. Did they have SUVs in the sixties? I was just thinking that. I don't think they did. Maybe van. Okay. Well, I mean, whatever I think the it's version. More of a van. Not whatever the version. I don't think was. we had SUVs back then. But um, you know what? If anyone wants to correct me, go for it. But so at first he said that he saw this black, let's say van, and he thought it was suspicious, and it pulled up next to him and stopped, and then drove off. Later, he said that it pulled up next to him and opened the door, Ooh. closed it, and drove off. Later. He said it pulled up next to him, opened the door, and he heard somebody inside say, that's not him. Closed the door and drove off. So that story has changed over time. 
Um, he also at first said we went to the movie and then she took me home. Later, he said after the movies, we went to essentially Tallahassee's lover's lane. We had sex in the car mm. and then she took me home. Um, over the years, as he's given more information, been interviewed, he's giving more and more details every time. Like he's remembering stuff he didn't mm. remember before. But your memory would be most precise. You would think closer so. to the. Um, however, what doesn't change is he doesn't know what he did when he got home. Neither do I. Um, that night. I mean, he what got we, what first, any of us do? I walk through the front door, I black out. First, he says it's around 11. By the time he gives, like, a later interview, it's exactly 11.07, because he looked at the clock. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, I probably got a snack. Maybe I had something to drink. I probably would have just gone to my room and gone to bed. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so, they were doing interviews and stuff with him, but good old dad, chair, chairman of the criminology department at FSU... Um, made some phone calls and said either arrest my son or stop questioning him. And they did not have enough evidence to make any kind of an arrest, and the pressure was put on, and they had to stop questioning Vernon. Oh, I it. love you, Dad. So, in 1987, mm-hmm. um, at, by this time, Vernon and Charlie have married and divorced. Oh, no. Mary contacts. Wait, they didn't work or out. Charlie. She, they did not. Oh. Charlie contacts. Um, Sheriff Campbell, 1987, says, I'd like to come in and talk about a hypothetical situation. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like the if I did it book. Yeah. If I told you that I know what happened to the Sims family, if hypothetically I was there when Vernon killed them, what kind of trouble would I get into? And he was like, back it up. Give me some information. So she says um, that they went to a movie... I don't remember if she said one movie or two. They kept changing that. Um, she says, no, we did not have sex. He did not get into my drawers until I was however old. Um, okay. She, they they would not show the part of the clip where she talked about what happened in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, Larry Campbell told her, she was like, would I, would I get in trouble if I told you this information now, so far after the fact? And he was like... Yes. No. You would probably go. There's a statute of limitations on murder. You would probably go to a mental facility or something like that. And in the interview, he's telling her this stuff. And then they kind of cut to Jeremy Mutz, the assistant state attorney Mm -hmm. who was fired. And he says he thinks that Larry Campbell should have been a little bit more um, around about. Like, lied a little bit more about it. A little bendy with the Um, truth. But, I mean, hindsight. She was able to draw them a detailed map of the inside of the Sims house. Which she had no reason to ever be in before. Well, she does like to break and enter. That's true. And um, he supposedly was And he was Tom. peeping through the window. Yeah. She was able to draw a detailed map of the inside of the house um, down to the color of the carpets in the rooms. I mean, you could just assume the color of the carpets. Yeah. Bright and, green. <laughs> and um, after Larry Campbell said, yes, you would get in trouble, she basically said, never mind. It was all hypothetical. This didn't happen. And... They couldn't, like, go any further yeah. than that. They, in the documentary I watched, Vernon Fox is on it. He came on it. And, like, I'm my I'm a little bit tainted because I feel like they did it. Um, but I, I, think, mean, I think he was weird on it. And, like, they asked him about, you know, there was a prowler. You're a prowler. And he was like, huh. No. Prowler. Why do you have to think about that question? You shouldn't have to think about that. The whole thing was weird. 
Um, the the whole crime scene screams two people. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that Joy was the intended yes. victim. And they believe, and if you watch the thing in the clips with her, they think that she, um, Charlie, was jealous of his like infatuation with Joy. And stabbed her? Like, that would have been her motivation for mm-hmm. participating in it. They think she was jealous because he it was, like... It does seem like a lot of anger there. Yeah. Was so and two people. So they said he, if they had opened the door to somebody with a weapon, mm-hmm. like a gun, that they would have, you know, done whatever. Also, or the bruise woman, on the cheek. Yeah. If they opened the door, there was a woman there who was like, I need help. Can I use your phone? Blah, right. blah, blah. They also would have likely That's her allowed her in. into the house. Yeah. Um, and yet, it definitely seems like a crime that would need two people. Yeah. You've got Vernon holding the gun. You've got her tying them up. Also, Maybe you said... Maybe Joy a backhand. No. Hmm. I don't think she tied him up. No. Because Vernon was in the Air Force. Yeah. Oh, oh, I forgot to tell you guys. She was a Girl Scout. Oh. But these weren't tying knots. So. Uh, it said they that cookies. they learned to tie specialized knots the cookies. Oh, okay. I do think you were probably right. He probably tied. Yeah. She, she you know... She's holding the gun. Yeah. It also... It doesn't... For the neither parents to have like a wound on them besides a gunshot to the head, you. It seems you, like they were just collateral. To, you have to incapacitate them if it's one person. I also kind of wonder weren't. if she had the gun, and she was obsessed with the with death and wanting to like see the insides. I could see her just shooting Helen's leg for see what happens. See what happens. Um, she also said that Vernon didn't get along with his dad, the criminologist, and would have really enjoyed, like, he would have liked to basically commit a murder under his nose um, and get away with it. Yeah. Petty. That would be. So, um, I, Side note. Yeah? Robert Sims looks exactly like Leif Schreiber. Hmm. Alright. Oh, yeah. Well... I think we've solved the case. Yeah, I'm I'm fully on board <laughs> for Vernon and Charlie. I don't yeah. I, the the kicker for me is her saying hypothetically. Y- yes. <laughs> like when you just give like it up. Like my jaw dropped and I'm like, you can't after that conversation with her, couldn't you? And I mean, I don't know. No, it was a hypothetical they conversation. Prob- they probably did go talk to Vernon some more after that, but like what can you if he's like, no. I wonder if yeah. that's why he said, I know who did it, I just need the evidence, knowing that his dad was gonna be like, yeah, yeah. His dad had shut it put down. Kibosh on it. Yeah. Yep. Because I want, like, if, I mean, if they believe that he was peeping through windows, they probably could have done something about it. Mm-hmm. Unless dad was like, "Look, yeah, you need actual problem. evidence if you want to talk to him." Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they just didn't. I think dad was keeping parents. him out of trouble. There's not a whole lot of debate to be had here. No. But, I mean, this was a good one. You did a good job. Thank you. I really enjoyed I it. I felt very... That it was done very thoroughly. Yeah. Thank you. And I also, out of all three of our cases thus far, I feel the most comfortable with yours. Being that, one, we know what happened to them. Mm-hmm. True. And two, I feel pretty good about who did it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're not going to like my next one. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to like my next one. Great. Well, that was sinister. And we were very sarcastic. And we hope you keep listening. <laughs>